The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and Ryan Dingle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dingle, and tonight I have an awesome guest, a, a friend of mine for, for well over 10 years. And this is great, folks, because I'm a history guy. And so why not bring in a Bears historian? We got Tim Johnson, the history teacher, talking about the history of the Bears. Tim, thanks for being on the show tonight with us. Well, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate the, uh, the interest in this. I am thrilled about this episode, TJ. Thanks so much for being here. But folks, we couldn't be here without Jeff Cadwallader. If you are thinking about buying or selling a home this year in the Chicagoland area, you got to visit GenevaJeff.com to learn more about how Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties can help you. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. Visit GenevaJeff.com today or give my guy Jeff a text or a phone call at 630-254-4734. Now, TJ, before we hop into this, we got to talk some news because as we're recording this on Thursday night, it has been a fury of news. It is all over the place. So obviously the the big news, Mitchell Trubisky signing a one-year contract to go and play for the Buffalo Bills. It sure seems like he's going to be Josh Allen's backup, which makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, They have a somewhat similar skill set. Obviously, Mitch is not the same athlete that Josh Allen is, but a really good backup situation for Buffalo. Andy Dalton had a press conference with the Chicago Bears today and said that he expects to start and to be the starter, and that's one of the reasons why he signed that contract with the Bears. Now, folks, this is the one that has both TJ and I scratching our heads. The Bears cut Kyle Fuller. They didn't trade him. They cut him. Supposedly, they asked him to take a significant pay cut. Uh, He declined and said he'd rather test the free agent market, so they let him go. Why they didn't try to trade the former all-pro cornerback is beyond me. To my guy, Brendan Chagru, if you're listening, dude, we just talked about this and how wonderful this guy is, and man, now he's gone. Uh, Then the next latest news is that Alan Robinson, who said he wasn't going to sign the franchise tag, signed the $18 million franchise tag, uh, basically locking up a one-year position with the Bears. There's a lot of fans asking, is he also on the trade market now? TJ, I, I know we were just talking about this a little on the air, you know, a little off the air rather, is that they got Jimmy Graham for a lot of money and they have Robert Quinn for even more money, yet they cut Kyle Fuller and the news, the rumor out there is that Akeem Hicks may be on the move as well. I'm, I'm trying to understand this. T, TJ, can you make any sense of this whatsoever? Well, no, not really. But uh, I think this is just poor uh, planning and management on Bear staff. Um, they, they should have seen this coming. They should have been planning for this several, several years prior to thereof so that they knew how, how this would be playing out two or three years down the road. Instead, we were just spending money, spending money, spending money, and all of a sudden here, here we are up against the cap, and now we're, we're, we're paying for it. Um, and it, it's, it's sad because I, I don't see this team going forwards. I see us going backwards right now. I, I, I know that a lot of people have said that Ryan Pace is on a one-year contract. This is not a move that screams of a guy who is a win now or I don't have a job. This is a guy who's setting up for a rebuild. And I, I just, 
I, I am, I'm befuddled. I don't understand what they see in this guy that says, we want you picking our next quarterback. If it isn't Andy Dalton, if they're going to draft somebody and we want you managing this team, which I, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'm scratching my head left and right. TJ, I just can't figure I, it out. I think everybody in the NFL is, um, and it's just the bears ownership. When everybody expects us, expects them to go right, they go left. And it's, I think they, they've, they've latched onto something. They don't change. Their, their history certainly shows that. They're, they're very uh, tunneled in the way they look at things, and uh, they don't really care what the criticism is at all. And so we're certainly seeing that with, uh, with, with Pace. We are going to be following closely, folks, what's going on. Uh, I just... I got to be honest, TJ, you know, I, I would, I would ask this question of our buddy, Mike Ozzy from Melbourne, uh, a good friend who, who is an Australian bears fan. And I asked like, Hey man, are you thinking about following another team? And the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking about following another team. I just don't understand, you know, because of where I grew up and where you grew up, we were, we're bears fans, but man, it just, it doesn't make any sense. All right. So TJ, speaking of growing up, I want to hear, you're a history teacher. You've been a history teacher for a while, and you're also a Bears fan. Walk us through just a little bit of, of your Bears fandom and, and being a history teacher. Well, oh, sure. Um, you know, I, I grew up with, my dad was, it was a Packer fan. And so I think um, just, just the notion of, of going against him was something that was, you know, it was, a, it was a, the oldest son uh, kind of rebelling against his dad kind of thing. But um, so it was, it was the bears and uh, they were obviously great rivals. And, and that's, that's where really where kind of let a lot of that started to stem from as a young kid, as you know, starting to get into the team in the early seventies, I want to say like around 71, 72. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, that was really it. It was like, wait a minute, you like the Packers? Okay. I like the bears. Man, I, I can't believe this. We have been friends for a long time, and I didn't know that. We stole you away from, from, from that team up north. All right, yeah. TJ, let's go, man. All right, yeah, oh, absolutely. It was an easy choice for me, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so, so, so you're a history teacher. We brought you yeah. on to talk history. How long have you been doing that? Um, I know you've been in the game for a while. Just kind of talk us through that. Yeah, I'm a social studies teacher and been doing it for 31 years and history just became a passion of mine and, and um, I didn't start off that way. I actually started off as pre-forestry. Uh, I was going to be fighting forest fires out west, but you know, it's, I, I came into a history class and there was a teacher and he got up there, he was telling a story and, and I just sat on the edge of my chair and said, oh my God, this is, I, I want to know more. And, it, and my love for reading was always there. I got that from my dad. And uh, it just made sense to make that, to make that change. And so I, I became a history major and I told my dad, he goes, what are you gonna do with that? I said, gosh, I don't really know. And uh, so teaching became, became the avenue by which to get it out with. And, and uh, I, I just, I, I love it. I love being with the kids, they, they keep me young. Um, I like changing different things. The stories are similar in some ways, but it's the way you deliver it, I think always changes. Man, that's so interesting too, because when we go out for a beverage or two, you are a storyteller. There's, there's no, and I think like that's, that's a really common thing amongst our friend group is that you, you see there's a lot of really good storytellers. And even if we're, we're telling a story that everybody else knows, right? You've got to tell it in a way that's going to get other people to laugh and enjoy the story, even though they've heard it before. And uh, that's something that I definitely enjoy uh, about, about you and our friends for sure. 
Well, it's, it's like I said, I, I get that talent from my dad. My dad was a great storyteller, same way. And so um, I, 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 I like to share, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this conversation stemmed out of you and I talking about retired jerseys. We, 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 were, we were challenged by a friend to see if we could come up. And you and I both were able to go through together. We, we combined forces and we were able to go through every single one of the Bears retired jerseys. But it got me thinking, you know, it, our listeners know it. Uh, we had a couple uh, guests that were coming over from the UK and Ireland. I just, just a quick shout out, Anthony from Ireland, not from the UK. It's just, it's, sorry, it's an inside joke, Anthony. I'm looking out for you, buddy. Um, and, and they were talking a little bit about the 85 Bears. And so I think this conversation that we're, we're, we're excited to get into is stemming from, well, this is a, a, a long history team with, with a winning franchise not right now, um, but, uh, but, they, but they have a long tradition and it, it's, it's good to talk about some of that. So, so walk us through just a tiny little bit, TJ, what are we going to be talking about through this? Well, that's, you know what, there's so much and I really just, I, I started doing a little bit of research and I used some different websites and I used the Chicago Bears website. And what I did was I, I used the, the timeline to pull out some stories and just add some things that I knew about and did a little bit of research more. But you know, trying to find some nuggets in decades. As I started with 1920, um, found a few things in the 20s. Like, that's a good story to tell. And then in the 30s and 40s, uh, 50s, 60s, I know it's getting a little long, but, uh, and then into the 70s. So, and that's where I stopped. I stopped at 1979. Um, and uh, because then you start rolling into the 80s. Absolutely. So, okay. So George Stanley Hallis, and so for fans that don't know, if you look on the Bears jersey, you'll actually see GSL, um, GSH, I apologize for that one, GSH, on, on the side of the jerseys, a nod to him. So I'm guessing we got to start with him and the, sure. in the 1920s. And t so, so get us started with this story. How did yeah. the Bears get started? Yeah. Well, uh, just a little bit about his career first, I think, because he's, he's such an, an, an amazing person. He was really small for a size, but he, he played football. He loved, he loved playing football. And so he, he went to Illinois and um, he tried out for the football team and they kind of like, well, you're really short, but he had this stick to stick to this about him. And he just, he was in on every, all the plays and he kind of stood out. So he played college football um, at, at Illinois, of course. Then uh, he also had served in the military during the great war, World War I. Um, and so he saw a patriotic duty, and that was something of very strong, very passionate about him. You see, he has a sense of loyalty and duty, and duty not only to, you know, obviously to the Bears, but also to this country as well. Um, after he got out, he, he, was, a, he was a naval coach. Uh, he, he coached uh, during the, his service in the, in the war. Um, he didn't actually see service in World War I. There were only about a million men who went abroad. Three million were in service, though. So he was more like in the back, but he was working at the Great Lakes Naval Station for the Navy. And this is where he coached their football team, coached and played on their football team. And that was pretty common for the, for the bases to have teams and then play. And it was a, and it was a way of keeping up the morale and, 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 and boosting up camaraderie amongst men and whatnot. Um, after that, he, because he's such a good athlete, he actually signed up and played, he was playing baseball. He, he was playing with the New York Yankees. And he was their right fielder uh, for a very short time. And then the, the Yankees made this trade, and they picked up this guy named maybe Babe Ruth. I don't know if anybody's heard of him before. <laughs> Get out of here, man. 
Yes, and George Hallis <laughs> didn't have a job anymore, so that's when that's when he got out of uh, got out and, uh, um, and and came back to Chicago. So, um, yeah, that did happen. That that's incredible. So so if it wasn't for Babe Ruth going to the Yankees, we may not be having this conversation right now. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Um, a um, he was he was contacted in uh, 1919. Um, by uh, Staley um, out of Decatur, and he was starting up a, a, a new company. And, and George at this time was working in Chicago. Um, he was a bridge engineer for Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroads, but um, he, there was an interest there, and, and Mr. Staley had known him from his days at Great Lake, brought him uh, to Decatur, and the, the idea wasn't to really work the company, it was to coach his football team that he was starting. And uh, so the Decatur Staley's were born. And the next year, 1920, that's when the American, that's when the National American Professional Football Association began. And each team, they met in Canton, Ohio, obviously home to the uh, Hall of Fame. Um, and each team had to pay $100 to join. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah. The, it's a little different now, huh? Yes. Um, the... Um, um, if if the bear if the bears family were to sell the bears uh, today um, the 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 tax that they would have to pay uh, for this would be insane. Um, so, but uh, uh, that first year in 1920 they went 10 one and two, but no champion was made. It was just teams just kind of played and and uh, but in it was in 21 when they moved to Chicago um, and and Staley asked them to keep the name for one year. They did, but after that. Um, the next year, they were playing at Cubs Park uh, and working with Bill Veck, and they were looking for a name, and they kicked around the idea of the Cubs, but they were like, wait a minute, we're football players, we're bigger, we're stronger, and the name Bears were born. And uh, the colors, blue and orange, were after his love of U of I, so that's kind of where that came from. Um, that year, 1921, they were 9-1-1 one and, one, and were champions, so it was like their first championship. Um, and I said, they changed their name in 22 um, in 1925, something pretty, pretty important happened to NFL football, and that was Red Grange. Um, Red Grange, of course, was the star football player at University of Illinois. Um, he, today, I think we all know him, the nickname is the Galloping Ghost, but back then he was called the Wheaton, the Wheaton Iceman. And uh, he was, uh, when he came out, um, there, was, there was a lot of people interested in, in him, but uh, Hallis had made a deal with his agent, Pyle, who owned a theater in Champaign, and, and Hallis knew him from his days in, in Champaign, and got him to join. And what ended up happening was, in the 25 season, Red Grange played the last two games of the season, and then the Bears went on tour around the country, playing anybody who would play them around the country. And what it did was kind of popularize the game. People started to like what they saw. They saw this. They were, and, of course, they were attracted because it was Red Grange, but then they went and they saw football. And so the sport really became quite popular um, as a result of that. Um, the 1920s are going to end with the Bears with just one championship. Um, and in 29, Hallis kind of like retires. They're going to see a theme here. Um, but the 1930s rolled in as, as a real dynasty. And the Bears are going to secure two championships out of this. And they'll even have an undefeated season. Um, Ralph Jones had taken over for, um, for Hallis. And um, one of the things that they did was they made a change. Um, and this is the first time that they put the center, the quarterback under the center. The Bears were the first team to do this. 
And I think that was really a way of kind of like hiding the ball, uh, because everything was just up the middle, up the middle, where everything was all just jammed up. And so the scores that you're seeing are, you know, sometimes it could be a two to nothing game, for example. Um, but uh, they, with moving the ball underneath the center, now they could conceal, maybe run a little off tackle and things like that. But the, um, he also widened the stance of the offensive line to try and force the team out of the middle and more out to the wide, wide side of the field. And uh, in the 1930s, they also had drafted this rookie named Bronco Nagurski. There we go. Yes, happened to be uh, um, one of their stars, obviously. Um, interesting story. Hallis almost lost control of the team um, in uh, what had happened was in 32, um, his, his partners, uh, Mamlin and Sternum, uh, wanted to be bought out. He was like, I'm done. I don't want to. And, and Hallis owed him about, in order to get him out, he owed him about 38000 But he had to pay the whole amount by August of 1932. And Hallis just wasn't. He, he wasn't organized enough to get the money and he was thinking it was going to be there. Well, at the last minute, he was $5,000 short. And if he didn't pay it on that day, he was losing the bears to Sternum. Sternum would have owned the Chicago bears. He, he got, he got a $5,000 loan in 1932 in the midst of the depression. That's incredible. Um, in Antioch. And uh, so they loaned him the $5,000. He went to the lawyer and he paid it hours before he was to lose the team. So Hallis was able to keep the team, and, uh, and they moved on. Um, that season, um, the, the Bears, they uh, started off the season uh, in 32. Uh, they had some ties, um, and they lost to Green Bay, two to, two to nothing, uh, by the way. But after that, they won 16 straight games. Um, and a lot of that had to do with just the, these kids, that they, these people they had drafted were selling that starting to really perform and, and really come into, into their own uh, with them. So um, the, uh, the Bears, uh, what they had done was they had won uh, the 16 row, and it was a record that was held until the Patriots broke that uh, record um, in 2004. That's that's crazy because we think about the the it's it's the seventy two Dolphins. I might be wrong about that. It's it's somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, the no, seventy two. Yeah. Seventy two Miami Dolphins that had the fourteen and zero record, but it wasn't sixteen and zero because they only played a fourteen game schedule at that point. Man, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I should mention too that it was once Hallis had bought the team, he actually then came back to be the head coach. Um, he he, and the thing was he missed it. Um, he missed the interaction. He missed the sidelines. He wasn't good up in the owner's box. He needed to be on the sidelines. So he came back and he was, and he was coaching the team. Um, and, um, but the year that they went 13-0, they did not win the championship. Um, it was the Giants who won this championship. And what had happened was they were playing on a frozen ground. And at halftime, the Giants made a decision. And what they did was they had all of their players change their spikes and put on sneakers. And because now they had some, some, they had grip onto the ground, um, they were able to run circles around the Bears, and they beat up the Bears pretty good, 30 to 13 in that championship game. Hmm. Um, in 35 to 38, there was no championship won. The Bears were, the Bears were 30, 13, and three. Um, and in 1939, Hallis made a decision. Um, and, and again, this, he's just trying to re revolutionize the game, and that's how I see this man. He was just ready to change it. He brought in an old college offense called the T formation, but he Let's was going to modernize it. 
For, for those of you that don't know, if you're listening to the Bears fight song, you will hear, we'll never forget the way you thrilled the nation with your T formation. Um, and that is a, that's a big one. Okay, so, so TJ, really quick, can yeah. you explain to us what is the T formation? What is the sure. T formation? T formation, the quarterback is right behind the center as, as the Bears have. Um, and then they have two halfbacks who are split, but they have a fullback who is directly behind the quarterback. And what it allows them to do is allows them to put pressure on the outside and also swing the backs, halfbacks, out for passes. And uh, the only thing that the Bears are going to need in 1939 to make this T formation work is a quarterback. Oh, and that year they drafted a guy by the name of Sid Luckman. <laughs> so um, the, the T formation was, it really kind of revolutionized the passing game in the NFL um, as teams weren't ready for that. And it just helps plays to the Bears' success as they continue on and into the 40s. Well, it's one of those things, too, that Matt Nagy's very first play call against the Green Bay Packers was the T formation. And I know yep. a lot of Bears fans that know the team, you know, they got that nod, and, and that was something that a lot of us, I mean, that 2018 season was just magical all across the board. But, I mean, I'll never forget that. So, so yeah. they bring in this guy, Sid Luckman, who, right. again, for Bears fans that don't know, that is, that, that's the Bears' best quarterback they've ever had. So, so tell right. us a little bit more about Sid. Well, Sid Luckman, he, he came from Columbia, um, and he was somebody who um, the, the uh, Bears were, he, they got him in a, in a first-round pick. Um, and he was somebody who, who was the ultimate team player and a great leader. Um, and, the, and the thing about the players that, that George Hallis was looking for at this time was they had grit, um, stick to itness, um, just get in there and just battle and battle and, 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 not, and not quit. And so along with him, you had players like Bulldog Turner, George McAfee, um, and they had really put together Bill Osmansky. They had a really tough team. But in 1940, they – they played the Redskins, and, and November 17th, they lost to the Redskins 7-3. to But the, the coach of the Redskins, a guy named George Preston Marshall, after the game, he called the Bears quitters and crybabies. Oh, um, man. And so <laughs> December 8th is the championship game, and it happens the Bears are playing the Redskins. Um, the game was won by the Bears 73 to nothing. Um, <laughs> about three-quarters of the way through the game, the officials asked the Bears to stop kicking extra points because the ball was going through and out into the stands and they were running out of footballs. <laughs> so uh, the Bears stopped kicking extra points but kept scoring. So, um, But they, uh, uh, they had a great team, no question about it. Um, the next year, 41, they, uh, they won their second championship in a row. This time they beat the Giants. But the, the thing that, that people talked about um, after the game or after the championship was how deflating it was to play in this game because of Pearl Harbor. Uh, the, they played about a week after Pearl Harbor. And then, of course, the war hits. And when that happens, not only the Bears, but lots of teams are going to start to lose our players who get drafted. And it, it's, it's not that all the players see combat action. They're, they're doing uh, – they're, they're going around, they're playing games for pickup games, for the, for the troops, for morale and things like that. And of course, some players do see combat and, and, and are going uh, are gonna to lose out. Um, it gets so bad in 41 that um, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles have to combine their team 
because their resources are so depleted and they call themselves the Phil Pitt Steagles. So <laughs> um, in 43, the Bears won another championship, but in 45, they started getting their players back. Um, they had a, a slow start to the season, but they didn't win the final three. But what they did was when the players started coming back, they knew they had a good team. So 1946 is going to be the last championship of the decade. And that's how they're going to leave the 40s with four championships. So um, really just a, a dominant team that really began to change how football was being played. And it kind of led into the next decade of the 50s. Um, the, the decade of the 50s is kind of labeled as like the monsters of the midway. Um, football starts to kind of change a little bit. And it, it's, it now becomes a game, a strategy on, on both sides to, to hurt you. Um, to not just hit you hard and, 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 you know, run through the holes and deception. It's now we're going to hit you and we're going to hit you so hard that you're not going to come back in the game. And, and the, you know, bears are, are part of this. They're not, they're, they're not alone in this. They have a, a player by the name of Ed, the claw sprinkle. Um, he used his sweeping arm to make tackles and he would basically tackle around the neck. Um, and again, there's, there's no penalties for this. It was tackling. And uh, that's, in many ways, that's how football was, was starting to change into the decade. Um, but the, the thing is that I think about the 50s is that the defenses became dominant. Um, and we see that in football. Where you see there's times where the offense takes off and is, is in full charge. And we have certainly seen that through our time watching these offensive plays. And, and now that seems like the rules are favoring the defense today, or I'm sorry, the offense today and not the defense. Well, back in the 50s, I think it was all defense. It was just the defense was favored and they could do things, head, head slap and, and whatnot. So TJ, let me ask you a question. You've given us the monster part of Monsters of the Midway. I, I know, and I know a lot of listeners do know the Monsters of the, of the Midway, but, but, but not everybody does. Would you, would you talk to us a little bit about that second part of it? Like how that, that whole thing works? The Midway? Yes, please. Well, the Midway is um, the... Uh, at the time, there is no O'Hare Airport. It's not built until, it's not put together until 1955. Um, but so Midway was the airport on the south end of town we're all familiar with. It was, however, it was also the, um, it was a municipal airport and it was the busiest airport in all of the United States in the early 1950s. Chicago was a transportation hub with its rail and now with the, with the airlines. And so the Midway component of it just kind of made sense. Uh, with that. And, it, and O'Hare doesn't really take over that moniker until late into the 60s. That, it's, it's just incredible. To, it, it's not there anymore, yet it was what it was. All right. So we've got the monsters of the Midway in the 1950s. Where does the yep. story go from here? Well, what you start getting was uh, the Bears are going to pick up some, some real key players. Uh, Rick Caceres gets drafted. He's a running back in 1955. Um, and he will be the second all-time leading rusher in Bears history until 1992. So, again, here are guys who we don't really hear a lot about, but, man, they were just complete ball players. As a matter of fact, um, uh, Mike Dicka called him the toughest man to ever play football, and I think that says a lot when Mike Dicka says somebody is tough. I, I, I listen when I hear that, for sure. Um, 56, Hallis retired, and Patty, Drisc Patty Driscoll had taken over the team, um, and he led the Bears to the championship game, but they lost to the Rams. So, in the, in the 50s, they don't – really have any championship games other than the, they played in one. Um, Alice comes back in 57. 
Um, the team went eight and four, but they were getting ready for new things that were coming out. Um, and so the, that led them into the 1960s. They, things seemed to be going good. The Bears were, were moving in a good direction. They, the defense was strong. Um, they, um, um, the offense, now uh, we picked up in, in the 60s some, some key people. Um, in the 1960s, they picked up Bill Wade, uh, Ronnie Bull, Mike Ditka, Ed Obradovich. I mean, just some names that I, I'm sure we've heard of, but these were, these were people who were, who were making a difference for the team. So the record is getting better, and that leads us to 1963. Um, the Bears beat the Packers twice, but then they lost to the worst team in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, but they finished 11-1-2, and, and it put them in the championship game. The championship game – it was a bitter cold day and house had ordered that the tarp be brought over the field at Wrigley field. Um, and the, when they took it off the mud that was underneath it, the, it, it hardened and it was just really tough to play on, but the bears won 14 to nothing um, and seemed to be going in the right direction. Everything was going. And then 1964 summer came Willie Gilmore and Joe, Joe Bo Farrington were killed in a car accident. And it just, it, it, it really hurt this team. It's almost like the life was sucked out of them. Uh, they went five and nine that year and were having a hard time. 65, of course, some big things happened for them. Um, they drafted uh, Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers and they what? signed a free, and they signed what? a free agent by the name of Brian Piccolo. What a, what a year. What an unbelievable year, right, to get Dick Butkus, Gail Sayers, and Brian Piccolo. Uh, Brian Song, folks, for, if, if, for some reason, if you haven't seen it and you're a Bears fan, I don't know what you're doing. Stop this podcast and go listen to it right now. But to have Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers in the same draft, TJ, that's, that's unbelievable. Tell us about yeah, those guys. Yeah. Right, and the, the, the Bears just – and the thing is, I think there's this misnomer about that the Bears were not a good football team with those two on it, and, and that's far from – and that's quite wrong. In uh, 1965, for example, their rookie years, the Bears finished 9-5 and five and would have made the playoffs, but they lost to the Vikings on the last game. So it was just like – kind of like just their rotten luck, I think, maybe a way of looking <laughs> at it. Um, 67, uh, we saw Hallis, uh, and the thing about George Hallis this time, he was now full in charge, and he had a stamp on the team, and it was his way or the highway. And Mike Ditka did, and he disagreed. Uh, a lot of it had to do with money, and Hallis had enough and traded him, sent him to the Eagles for Jack Concanon, uh, our quarterback. In uh, 68, we missed the playoffs by one game, uh, but that's also due to the fact that Gail Sayers had hurt his knee missed the last four games. Um, at the end of 68, Hallis was done, though. He said he couldn't chase the officials up and down the field anymore. So uh, he was officially retired, and that will be it for him. He will no longer be come back as coach uh, for the Bears. However, 69 was pretty bad for the Bears. They finished 1-13. and 13. Holy uh, cow. Yeah. So the, what they did was they set him up in 1970 for the first round pick. However, the Steelers also went one and 13. So they had a coin toss to see who would, uh, who would get the pick. And uh, Ed McCaskey called the coin toss and lost it. The Steelers got the, got the first round pick and they chose Terry Bradshaw. No. Yes. <laughs> that Man. is correct. 
How I'm just trying to think with throughout the Bears history, how many times were they this close to getting a game changing quarterback and oh. we just defer back to Sid Luckman, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It, it, it's it's just it's it's sad when you know the history and just and you're looking at the present today just going, My God, how can we get out of this? It it it's just seems like a trap sometimes. But uh um, the Bears ended up taking the, the second pick, by the way, and instead of using it, they traded it to the Packers for three veteran players who, for the Bears, lasted maybe like two seasons and didn't really make an impact at all. So um, the spring of 1970, however, saw Brian Pickle die. Um, the next year, the movie was made, by the way, um, and they were actually filming it at the Bears training camp as it was going on. So they were actually, you could see, the, when, you, if you, when you watch film, they show you the the camp highlights. Uh, that's actually Bears footage uh, of them in, in spring training or in the in the in their camp. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a, a kind of a bad thing. In '71, the team moved to Soldier Field, uh, and now they had a, a home. The thing about Soldier Field in '71, they played on uh, AstroTurf, and uh, AstroTurf is it's not like playing on on a stadium today. That stuff is it's carpet over cement is the best way I could describe it. You, you know, but I almost wonder, would it be better than the grass on Soldier Field after some concert that, that they've done in the middle of the field? You know what? It's just how many times does the grass monster uh, make a tackle for our beloved bears, right? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. I think you're right. In some ways, it's, it's been maybe more of a friend than, than foe, but I, oh man, it's that astral turf would had to be tough. Bears coach was Abe Gibran, worst we ever had in our history. They were, the bears were awful in the early 70s. Um, what it did was, um, in 74, the, uh, George Hallis' son, Muggs, um, was now a big part of the team, and he had hired Jack Pardee, I'm sorry, Jim Finks, to come in and be our, our general manager. It was the first general manager in Bears history. Keep in mind, this has all been run by George, uh, and now it's, he, there's the, the power you start to see is just now starting to be kind of turned over to, to like more professionals, people that this is what they do. And um, Whereas I think, um, George was was very old fashioned, very traditional, and uh, and had a, and didn't really have a sense of the like the new NFL that was coming out. In '75, uh, Finks hired Jack Pardee to be the coach, and they drafted this guy named Walter Payton out of Jackson State. Oh um, man, pretty good deal for him. Um, the '77, uh, uh, the the they, the Bears do make the playoffs, uh, but they get blown out by Dallas pretty bad. Um, and in '79, '78, excuse me, the the Bears hired. Uh, Jack Pardee had left for Washington, and so the Bears hired uh, Neil Armstrong to come in. And one of the things that Neil Armstrong had done was he had hired this defensive coordinator by the name of Buddy Ryan. Huh, so huh, huh. pieces are are starting to to form. And there, you know, the thing is, '79 ends uh, with the Bears. The last game, the Bears had to win by more because of the playoff system. They had to win their last game by more than 33 points to to secure a position in the playoffs. Well. Right before the game was to start, the Bears players learned that Muggs Hallis had died of heart failure. And so they went out and played the game, and they beat the St. Louis Cardinals by 33 points. So they made the playoffs. Uh, I'm sorry, they won 42-6. to six. Um, But they made the playoffs but lost in the first round. Um, and then that year, Doug Buffon retired, one of my faves. And um, that, that brought us up to 1980. And in 1980, of course, the, the, the historic drafts start to happen. Um, in 82, Dick is going to get hired um, by George Hallis. 
uh, be one of his last moves that he'll make before he passes on. But uh, the, uh, you know, the, you can just see from this time that there's, there's peaks and valleys. And man, when we peak, we do so well. We hit the valleys, we hit them hard. This is, this is a question not on the script, but I'm going to ask it. If you could sit down and you could meet two former Bears players, we're talking, let's say, pre-1985, who are the two guys you would want to sit down with and, and how come? Um, probably one of them would be Bronco Nagurski. You, you just hear the stories. I just, he was a tough man. And I, just, I, I would like to pick his brain about what it was like to play football when there was, the object was just to stop immobile people from, from moving the football. I, I would be intrigued with that, uh, just to find out. And uh, I, then I think the other one would be Dick Butkus. And, and I, I think just the, the toughness of the, of, the, of the game, and then how does that translate today? How would his game translate today? There are things he couldn't do that he was doing then, and maybe how does he see toughness in football today? But those, those two, I, I would I would like to have a conversation with them. That that excellent choice, my friend. Excellent choice. All right, TJ, you knew this was coming. It is time for our favorite segment for our first time guests, unpopular opinion. We've <laughs> had some good ones, man. We have had some good ones. Uh, my buddy Brendan Chagru uh, doesn't like to have bacon on sandwiches. He has it as a side. Um, our good friend Rob Kirkland doesn't like Portillo's. He's never going to live that one down whatsoever. Uh, there's been a lot of good ones. So, TJ, I got to ask, what is your unpopular opinion? Well, I really had to think about this, and it kind of dawned on me. I don't know, but I, I do not like birthday cake. Um, I, 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 I do not like birthday cake. I, I am the only one. This, my wife is a phenomenal uh, cook, and, and, and she makes amazing cakes. I don't like birthday. We have, we have pie on my birthday, um, Dutch apple pie. And I just, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I don't like birthday cake. And so I just, I, I do not. I mean, seriously, your wife is a phenomenal, I mean, like yeah. people in it, like when, when, when we know she's going to make stuff, we stop whatever <laughs> we're doing and we are around for her food and yeah. you're like, no, I'm, I'm going to pass on it. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. And it's, it's amazing, but it's just, it's just birthday cake. That's it. But I don't, I don't like birthday cake. I really don't. All right. All right. There we go, TJ. All right. So my friend, I got to ask any shout outs, anybody who might be listening to the podcast that you'd like to give a shout out to, you'd like to say hello to anybody at all. Yeah, I really do. I, I just have a, a good friend of mine that I grew up with. He just lost his mom. Uh, Bonnie Davis is in a better place today. But uh, my friend Greg and his brother Jason, they're, they're like brothers to me and his dad, JD. Um, I, I, they're in my thoughts and prayers all the time now, and they always have been. But that's my extended family, and, and I want to give them a big shout out because they're just great people and, and, and a big part of my life. Bonnie Davis, you, you are in our thoughts, and I know any of you listening to the Bear Down Report uh, will, will be in our thoughts as well, so, so thank you so much for that. TJ, man, um, just, just, just mark it down in your calendar. You are the Bears historian. When we need to come back and get a guy to talk Bears history, you're that guy for us. Is, am, am I, am, are you okay with that? I definitely am. I enjoyed it. This was great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, TJ, thank you so much for being a guest on the Bear Down Report podcast, my friend. I appreciate it so very much, my friend, and I am so glad that you could be on the show with us. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I, I am, I gotta, I just, I'm taking a second here because that was really good. I, <laughs> 
have we had a bad guest on this show? Because if we have, I, I, I don't know who it is. It's, it's funny, you can tell probably in my voice. When this episode started, I'm, I'm reading the Kyle Fuller news. I'm, I'm thinking about Akeem Hicks maybe, and, and, I'm, and I'm mad and I'm angry. And as TJ is telling these stories, I'm getting it in a better mood and a better mood and a better mood. And just thinking about the rich tradition and history of this team. And so I'm asking myself, why do I cheer for this team? And I think legitimately TJ answered that question, uh, which, man, you, you, you can't ask for, for much more of that. Folks, uh, you know, as, as the news comes in, we're going to try to get some, some stuff out to you, uh, some content out to all of you. I know Matt Clapper is going to be writing something good for you guys, as well as I know we're going to have uh, Jack, Mike, and Logan back on the show together. It's been a while since the four of us have been in a conversation together, uh, but we are, we're looking forward to it quite a bit. If you have questions... And maybe you've got another history question you want to ask. Folks, you can hit me up on Twitter, BDR Dengel, that's D-E-N-G-E-L, at BDR Dengel. Um, or you can hit me up with an email, uh, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, dot Dengel, D-E-N-G-E-L, um, at beardownreport.com. Uh, you can hit me up at any time. Ask us a question. What's going on? Uh, a history question. And if you ask a history question, we're going to get TJ to come back and answer it because dang, he was really, really, really good. So TJ, thank you so much for that. I got to give a couple shout outs as usual. I'm going to go ahead and, and thank my, my good friend, Rob Kirkland. Uh, Rob, man, uh, for all of those that don't know, uh, wife and I went through something pretty difficult and Rob was just a tremendous friend uh, in a very difficult front uh, in a very difficult time, excuse me. And uh, Rob, you know, I appreciate you greatly. Uh, Matt Clapper. Uh, Matt actually uh, was there my very first year um, at, a, at, at a job we had together. And he kind of uh, took me under underneath his wing to say, hey man, this is how you do things. Matt Clapper, thank you so much for that. And Mike Ozzie from Melbourne. Man, we've only met for a short time, but quickly becoming a very good friend. And we're both like in serious conversation of how do I get to Melbourne, Australia? And how do we get that dude here to Chicago? Uh, maybe someone listening uh, will, will float a ticket or something. I have no idea. For all of you who are listening, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing any of the content at beardownreport.com. We appreciate it so very, very much. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review. It really helps to widen our audience. For all of you who are listening, thank you so much. And remember, folks, bear down.